causing it and therein lies the problem of their own so they say things like they're on but they're wrong charlie's they're wrong and hence this song Episode four. We're going to be talking about the fate of the furious, and we've got a special guest for this episode, Mr. John Feitner. How do you do? I am Robin Hitchcock, and my co-hosts are Virginia Connolly. I'm Bob Shields. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's do this. So we're going to do our best not to spoil anything because we understand that everyone is going to see this movie as well. You should. Yes. We will spoil the previous installments, probably. What we've seen of them. I've only seen the first There's a lot of driving. (laughs) Heisting and driving. No problem that cannot be solved without racing. And spoiler, Charlize Theron is in it. Correct. Yes. There's some quips. There's some good teeth. It's, you know, (laughs) it's amazing. All right, let's just start with summarize your feelings for this movie with one sound. Yeah, let's open there. And John Feitner as our special guest... Do you feel comfortable doing that? I have to summarize my feelings with one sound. Just everything about the yeah. movie in one sound. Your emotional reaction. The content in, in, of the movie. I saw, okay. A one sound review. A one sound. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Amazing. That was for a sound. That was great. Yep. That was great. All right. Mine is. Uh, I think mine would probably just be joyous laughter. Just <laughs> <laughs> We did a lot of that in the theater. Yeah. Yes, I didn't know how, if the other people in the theater were enjoying us or like, who are these assholes? Some other yeah. people were joyfully laughing. Yeah. There were some applause to the people in front of us, but I think maybe the people behind us thought we were obnoxious. And that guy was yeah. kicking my chair, so uh, fuck, fuck him. him. So, so my sound for this would be... <laughs> Boom! Yay! <laughs> also, note that at least Regina and I both finger tented and clapped with our fingertips, uh, which I also did regularly in the theater. In addition to just regular clapping, like this is a movie that just inspires pure joy that needs to be expressed in some way while it is going on. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. The fact that there was not a standing ovation in the, in the theater is is a sad thing. I mean, we oh, saw yeah. it at Saturday at a one p.m. Yeah, this is true. I yeah. assume like Saturday night, like there's just like. Champagne and <laughs> ticker tape parade. Like, people are like, yes, we saw this movie. Okay, so let's just quickly note who here has seen which Fast and Furious movies. Fightner? I have only seen Fast Five, which I wanted to get into the franchise. I heard it was amazing. Learning that is true. And when I Googled just ranked uh, Fast Furious movies, Fast Five was top one in uh, basically every list that I saw. It used to be the best one. <laughs> it's been, it's it's been, been blown out, out of the water with a submarine beneath <laughs> it. Boof, get out of the way, Fast Five. Would you actually say this one is better than Fast Five? This is one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Yeah. Yes. Yes. As far as action movies, I mean, I, I don't know that I learned a lot about how the human race is, is, lives. <laughs> hey, Metaphors for how to live my life. I may have now that I think it's about, about it. It's about family. Family's important. Don't forget family. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I've seen one, two, three, five, seven, eight. All right. All right. right. I've seen... You missed out number four? I just... I I don't even... Remember, I didn't even know what it was called. So that was the reboot. 
post Tokyo Drift. Is that what it was? I don't know if it was a reboot. I just it's not necessarily a reboot. No, it's it's not a reboot because it's the same cast. It was more like we're not doing spinoffs now. We're going back to the original characters. Right. It was. I mean, I didn't see it, but I imagine it was a lot of "Ah, those other movies didn't happen. Don't worry about Tokyo. It it was the we might. But he, I know a character came back in. Right, and also that's that's one thing I love about this franchise is that so too fast, too furious. Vin Diesel wouldn't come back, so they replaced him with Tyrese. Yep. And then I love that they don't discard those characters that they're like yeah. nope you're in this now you're yeah. in this with your family and, and they make Tyrese's character Roman like the butt monkey of everything Ugh. it's like <laughs> you made the second movie terrible now you're the the comic relief yes oh yeah you're the yeah. butt of the jokes yeah. also just those interactions generally of them like picking on him best parts of the movie yes <laughs> so delightful although I was kind of happy when so uh, Scott Eastwood scion of Clint Eastwood <laughs> Who, as Bob very accurately put it... Uh, he looks like a CGI de-aged version of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> All motion capture. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually Clint Eastwood with dots on his face <laughs> and a camera right in front of him. It to was, blur it out. Yeah, exactly. Clean up the audio later, get all that gravel and get out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stupid. So uh, we <laughs> looked up who his mom is. It's a flight attendant with weak jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I already forget what he looks like in the movie because... As great as this movie was, he was the most boring element to it. They clearly were like, unfortunately, our previous boring white guy died, (laughs) so we've got to put a new person in that role, and they found another very bland white guy. But they had so many to choose from. Like, this seems like, couldn't Chris Pines have done this part, and at least his eyebrows would have been more captivating? That's true. I mean, anyone could have done it, and I think he just needed a way to be introduced to the world. I'm sure he's done other movies, but this is the first time I was like, oh, look at little Eastwood trying to make his way in the world. <laughs> I think he was in Suicide Squad, but I have no memory of Who, him. I have no memory of that movie having been made. So. <laughs> <laughs> what movie? Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, he makes Paul Walker seem like... A very charismatic person. I found Paul Walker charming. Also, R.I.P. Paul Walker. I know, yeah. It is sad. I gotta say, though, I was kind of excited because they make fun of him constantly. Tyrese. Which is not Paul Walker. No. Uh, sorry. Scott Eastwood. Okay. Oh, and so yes. I was like, oh, maybe Tyrese is gonna not be the butt monkey anymore. <laughs> But, sorry, no. <laughs> There's room for two. Well, he got a lot of nice moments, Tyrese, making fun of him. Like, That's true. Mocking yes. his, his uh, uptightness. He's yeah. not at the bottom of the totem pole right. anymore. Yeah. Just going back for one second. Yes. I have only seen Fast and the Furious. Full stop. Yes, same here. Uh-huh. I've only ever seen the very first one, which is basically point break with muscle cars. Which is why it's amazing. <laughs> which is why it's amazing. But this is very not just point break with muscle cars. This is a, like, it had... There is a trajectory that I have entirely missed out on. You need to go never, back and watch them all. The, the franchise could have gone in a thousand different ways from the original movie, and it has gone in a way that nobody would ever have predicted. I but, wish that they had made eight point breaks. Right. Speaking of point break, <laughs> I think this is an excellent segue into uh, my favorite uh, recurring theme, which... Er, segment, I don't know, whatever. Who is Keanu? What role should Keanu Reeves have played in The Fate of the Furious? And remember, you can choose from any era Keanu and put him wherever you need him to go. Probably Hitchcock, you go first this time. The obvious answer is Point Break era Keanu replacing Scott Eastwood. Because that is essentially the role. He's replacing Paul Walker, who played Johnny Utah in Fast and the Furious. Yes. All right. Paul Walker is, in fact, the blonde Keanu Reeves. Yes. (laughs) What about you? Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, I I would go further. I would say that 
Keanu Reeves would replace Jason Statham. Because to have have John Wick, like today's Keanu Reeves, John Wick style, doing the Jason Statham things that he does, I think that would be great. See, I would put Keanu as Vin Diesel for John Wick reasons. Because it's like, I'm this amazing person. (gasps) Yes! Alright, two for out of four. This is nothing against Vin Diesel. He does an excellent job. He he stares and growls and, and... Beats things up the way that he should. Rips cars with his bare hands. Yeah, when we okay, cast Keanu, it's not casting aspersion on the person that he's not replacing. At all. No, not at all. But is it, are you retroactively casting Keanu yes. in the other Fast and the Furious movies Vin Diesel sure. is in? Because that literally is, is the point break me. of muscle cars. That's tricky. So that now that today Keanu Reeves becomes, you know, the steely-eyed, I must save the world by being the villain. Yeah, the way that Vin Diesel has to. The other role I considered was the very Nordic henchman of Charlize, because again, I kind of like the idea of Keanu and Charlize just like being pals and everything. (laughs) That is true. He doesn't get to play the heavy very often. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, (laughs) in our sequel podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's keep the focus so ahead of ourselves on Charlize in this movie without giving away any plot points. My most important note is that I was way less upset by her hair in the movie than I was in the trailer. Okay, so her hair, she has very thin white lady dreads. White people, don't do that to your hair. It's well, appropriate. She, she's a villain, so she, she has to have a thing that makes her appear. She can get whatever she wants. look at her and go, I don't know if I like this person. I, this yeah. person is culturally appropriating, therefore evil. Yeah. Yeah, she also and she's appropriating Vin Diesel from his team. That's so, so true. Yeah. It's, rabbit hole just goes deeper from Yeah. <laughs> it's but, metaphor hair is what it is. I, I also <laughs> thought her hair looked terrible at the top of the movie when it was mostly down. And then in this is not a spoiler, guys. For the spoiler the movie, <laughs> she wears it half up, half down. Oh god, and people are not gonna go to the movie. Why should now. I bother to go? <laughs> guys, just turn it off now. We ruined everything. <laughs> when it's half up, half down, it looks a lot better. Yeah. I guess actually in the beginning it's in a ponytail rather than down. But yeah. it looks bad. So yes, Charlize's hair, terrible, don't do it, but not as distracting as we thought it would be. Yeah. I think that she didn't have as much to do in this movie as I would have liked for her to have been given. Even though like she's the main villain, I was hungry for more backstory and uh, purpose. Well, it's a constant trap of like any action movie nowadays that because of all we have to talk about cyber things and yeah. how the villain can see through all cameras everywhere that event all villains end up in a room just telling people to type at keyboards. I gotta she does say, a ton of that. the hack yeah. off, like, it's just <laughs> yeah. never gonna be good movie. The hack yeah. off is just a quip off. It's like, <laughs> I'm talking about what I'm typing. And oh, I am damn, also- she's good. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like, ah, well done. <laughs> we can't show any of this, but we can tell you it's going well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, her they, fingers are on the QWERTY, aren't they? They also do their best to show, like, oh, this is the dynamic code, like, things popping up on the screen and all this kind of stuff. The animation that they do for their nonsense computering is actually yes. decent. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Also, like that everyone had touchscreen keyboards, which no hacker on earth would ever use. Because, like, they had the more... keyboard. Yeah. Come on. Jeez, <laughs> guys. Uh, so it's I... nothing but tab. <laughs> so, of all the things in this movie that are unbelievable, um, the only thing that stood out to me where I was like, guys, that's I don't buy that, <laughs> is a car dealership for a cheap Cherokee in Midtown Manhattan on the ground floor. I was like, that's <laughs> never going to happen. No one is going there to buy cars. <laughs> That's true. We lived there, we know. 
Yeah, drop. <laughs> I'm excited you guys have mentioned living in New York as much as I have mentioned living in South Africa. <laughs> I did it for you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm from Northern Virginia. <laughs> I never dropped that anywhere. <laughs> Other Charlie's movie thoughts? Uh, well, yeah, um, I'm not as um, uh, deep into the Charlie's Theron world as you all are. But We've watched four movies, so <laughs> catch but up, But you've, you've been focusing much more than I Not that I, I, I've enjoyed her in many a film, uh, but I'm... I was tuned to it this time, uh, and I don't know if she, if she is just or has already mastered the breathless villain dialogue. Because all the time in this movie, it was like she barely talked above a whisper. Yeah, like yeah. the whole time. Can just, you imitate it? Yes, you can. We're all staring at him to make him super comfortable. Okay. You know, in this life, all of us have a choice: the choice to be us, or the choice to be the ones. To find out who we are. <laughs> that is what she sounds like, but more feminine. Yeah. Oh, slightly more feminine. I, uh, we did learn a lot about choice theory in this. <laughs> yeah. They said the word choice more than fate. <laughs> but they, oh, the, but yeah, the beautiful fate dialogue she had right at the beginning. Oh, they, they took care of it. Her first scene is like, let's just, we're going to mention fate five times. And she, in one sentence, gives just the summation of the movie. Where they're going to have to face the worst person they've ever faced in the world. <laughs> you. She yeah. was like, I'm she, giving you an elevator pitch yeah. for why I'm kidnapping you. She gives the narration for the trailer in the first <laughs> yeah. five minutes. And she does it beautifully. Yeah. It doesn't come off as like tired dialogue or, well, we need to shoehorn this in there. She's like, yeah, I'm saying this because this is the thing that my character says at this moment. <laughs> yeah, here's the exposition. Expertly exposited. <laughs> yeah. With steely eyes. I think the only thing for me that was missing is a hand-to-hand fight scene with her. And I know that that's not necessarily part of the character, mm-hmm. but the trailer for Atomic Blonde was before this movie. Maybe mm-hmm. it like got it wet my appetite and for that. And we just that. watched Eon Flux. Yeah, so. I, I just wish that she had gotten to at least punch someone in the face. I was expecting her to have to fight Michelle Rodriguez. But I was really maybe. glad that that didn't happen. Uh, I'm, I was kind of expecting, I was like, it seems like it an obvious connection. That is like the yeah. typical screenplay way to right. go. And yeah. Eventually okay. they have to face it down. Yeah. So oh, maybe, because of the, like, you fucked you with my, my man. man. Yeah. Oh, because I, I would have liked to see her fight Ramsey, who's the team hacker. But you did, I mean, you're so good at typing. <laughs> yeah. I'm so good at typing. Guys, she did fight. She yeah, fought they, with her powers. keyboard fought. I also fight. just, so I don't know how many movies Ramsey has been in. She was in the seventh one, which I was not paying enough attention to do to know if they introduced her character. But I want her to get to drive a car or fight someone at some point. I, I don't know because I haven't seen any other right. ones, so I didn't necessarily miss that because I felt like she was integral enough to the plot. And also there are like so many people to choose from. Yeah. Um, I was glad that I did not see Charlize fight because I kind of like a villain like her who's like, I'm just the smartest person in the world. It's and you, essentially what her evil power is. And you so rarely see women play that role. Right. And There's I, that yeah, male true. version all the time. Right. Yeah, Die Hard Typically, 4 yeah. was the same Typically movie. the greatest hacker in the world is, is some fella. Yeah. yeah. And I also like if someone is like, hey, I do have a superpower. I don't need to also go to the gym all the time and learn how to kick people in the face. They're just like, no, nah, I don't have to do that. I'm pretty sure she goes to the gym all the time. Look at that body. But you know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm sort of like, I like a villain that is villainous in a specific way and not also have to be a, a badass. Yeah. And we gotta save it up for Fast and Furious 9. I, yeah, yeah. The time we get to fast ten your seatbelts, then <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably be a fist fight between 
you can't see because this is recorded, but we are all putting our hands up in the air like we just don't care. Well, we care a lot because that was great. <laughs> Who do we have to talk to to make that the title? <laughs> I Hopefully, F. Gary Gray, I hope that he becomes the new stable director yeah, for this. Yeah, well becomes, done, him. Yeah, the new Justin Lin. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. Because he, uh, the action sequences were pretty much all solid. You knew what was happening. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get nauseous, and we saw it in IMAX, and I was like, I'm not overwhelmed. I mean, we saw, in addition to the Atomic Blonde trailer, there was the Transformers uh, in Medieval Times trailers, whatever that is. And just yeah. watching the trailer, Robin, after was like, I need a nap. That was too much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was some, I know this sounds like completely false, but there was a degree of restraint mm-hmm. to oh, the yeah. action sequences in this movie <laughs> Sure, that made them so much more effective. Because so, but each is also its own thing. Right. It's not just, yeah. here's another car race because we have to throw cars in again. There was ultimately really only one car race and I was fine with that as there's, well. There's two races. You I mean, there was one a, race. A quarter was, mile at a time kind of race. Although yeah, they did right. specify that it was a cuban, cuban mile, mile. Which is <laughs> I don't, a kilometer? I, I guess. It's just equal for everyone if it's a cuban <laughs> mile. Okay? Everyone gets their own share. I gotta say, I did in, this is not a spoiler really. It's in the first scene of the movie. They're in Cuba and it's all classic cars because that's what it's like in Cuba apparently. I've never been but yeah. they, they didn't have modern cars for a long time because because of the embargo so what was amazing about this movie is you're right it starts in cuba and it is all classic cars and even the first car chase of this movie is the most ridiculous car chase i've ever seen and everything from there on ramps up like uh. that is that is the least ridiculous car chase in the movie right but the most ridiculous car chase i'd ever seen i, was up until say, that I, I saw that opening sequence and when it ends it could end as a, it could just be a short film like they just made yeah. a tiny like, <laughs> fast and furious just for like we just decided to do a 12 minute fast and furious <laughs> with it. and as soon as it was done I, I i said well roll credits like how do you how do you outdo what that just was and my they God. found they it. Did. They find numerous ways to keep the ranch from getting out. One of the other things I thought was interesting is, like in the Matrix sequels, when the fight scenes got too ridiculous, it just cut to all CGI people. In this one, when the car chases got too ridiculous, it cut to all CGI cars. And so when you saw like all the cars racing through New York, you're like, oh, that's all video game graphics. Or like when all the yeah. things were racing across the ice. I did not detect that. It was well done. Okay. I enjoyed yeah, it. I detected it, but it was it was better done. I mean, yeah. it's cars. That's I the mean, hardest thing to recreate. Intellectually, I knew they couldn't be doing this. <laughs> right. But I couldn't shut down a New York street and then yeah. fill up with that many cars. Yeah. <laughs> they could do that, but they couldn't do it. No spoilers. They couldn't do it the way they did it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, I think like part of the thing that convinced me, I didn't need a lot of convincing this movie was great, but in terms of like the action sequences making sense and being enjoyable is they found a way to make a car tethered to other cars like actually dynamic and you're like how is he gonna get out of it and I was right. like he's yeah. got a bunch of ropes tense. on him yeah. and like the way that he figures out how to get it like you see the decision making process yeah, yeah. rather than just like oh, then he's free and we're moving on like I mean you see how that sequence ends in the trailer this is how this oh, can happen it's yeah. well yeah yeah. So I didn't know that. even watching it, I was like, this is thrilling. He is trapped. How will he get out of this? Yeah. And I know exactly how he's going to get out of it, but <laughs> it's put together very well. The momentum of it is great. Okay, guys, I cannot believe that we've made it 20 minutes into this podcast without talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, That's true. How did we do that? Goodness. <laughs> because he is the hidden weapon of this series. I think he... Did he come in in Fast Five? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. It was hard to tell, but he, it seemed like an introduction to him. He 
is such a delight every time he comes on screen. I think we finger tented. We were like, ah, he's here again with his perfect teeth and his delightful quips. He is just so good. It's a shame almost. It sort of reminded me, this is a weird comparison, of Mahershala Ali in uh, Moonlight, where it's like, (laughs) that's a great movie, but it suffers from him not being in the second two parts of it. Oh. Because it's like, oh, well, this is great still, but it's not as good as it was with that guy on the screen. Yeah. So all of the the rockless scenes. I missed him. <laughs> well, I felt like- I, I somewhat disagree. Okay. I, I will give great respect to these films for they keep piling on new characters. And managing I, it. And managing it. Because I loved Jason Statham in it so much. Yes. 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 And with the two of them bantering, like I actually uh, think it was effective to keep Dwayne The Rock Johnson away from Vin Diesel in most of the scenes. Sure. Because I'm like, you're both really good, but when you're both in a scene together, there's a clear well, yeah. winner. Well, Regina, you don't like knowing things about actors in real life, but they did that on purpose because they hate each yeah. other. Oh. Huge falling out. With yeah. Oh, guys. so that that is <laughs> on purpose. Sorry. Uh, well, I'm gonna go back to the part that was fun for me. <laughs> uh, like the watching... world is only room for one giant bald-headed man. But the rock is like so much bigger than him, <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> probably why he hates him. I, um, I saw Vin Diesel in person. Uh, they were uh, filming uh, the Last Witch Hunter, which is really good. Which is yeah. a very fun film. They is filmed he short. It. He is fairly short. He's shorter yeah. than you think. I mean, you see everyone in movies, they look like giants. But, you know, I am to slightly defend him six foot four, but I, you know, saw him by a foot away from me and I was like, oh, I'm way taller than you. Did you tuck him under your shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll buy you a coffee, buddy. <laughs> uh, But yeah, he, he carries himself a much bigger man than he is in person, but that's true of so many movie people. But yeah. Dwayne The Rock uh, Johnson is which, not short. Um, he, he, he's a monster. He's so, a, he's a, mountain of a delightful monster. Well, I was just going to say, the, uh, the scene between him and Jason Statham, because like, I also delight in Jason Statham because I love dumb action movies, and like him and the spy is just the most fun ever. And seeing the two of them banter in prison, I'm like, I felt like credits could have rolled there. I would watch two hours of them just being oh, like, yeah. we're in a cell, not able to reach each other. I would watch, would watch two hours. Guys, minor spoiler here, but this movie does illustrate my dad's quote, which he said after we watched Face Off, every movie can be improved by a prison riot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Should we add that as a regular feature? <laughs> Could this yes! movie have been improved with a prison riot? <laughs> Where would you put it in the sequence? Yes. Stay tuned for the next episode where we try this out. Uh, How would you improve two days in the valley with, with a prison, prison riot? riot? <laughs> I feel uh, like there are multiple opportunities. Yeah. There were so many scenes that were isolated weirdness. Why not just have one? I yeah. just want to see. I want to see Jace, uh, J- J- Jason Spader. James. 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 Spader. James. That's the one. Tiny Palette escape <laughs> from a prison before the movie starts. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I would have watched that. that and it would help that them. Movie. It would have helped them with their thirty-six hours in the valley problem. Yeah, it was not two full yeah. days. Yeah. Also, Charlize could have helped to break him out because she would have been his woman on the outside. He would have been inside, and she would have been like, "I'm getting you out." And we could have had a whole other white outfit. Yes. All right. All right. You're dead. Proven right. Once again. (laughs) So I guess our other regular feature is Ebert or Mebert, but rest in peace. Roger Ebert has been dead for several years now, so he did not review this movie, at least not in a way that we can access without a Ouija board. Did he review any of the franchise? Oh, I bet he did. All right. You guys are going to chat for a while while I pull up. (laughs) 
Right. But continuing on original uh, uh, review, the path of how just everyone is quite enjoyable. This is a, a tiny segment from my uh, future podcast of Let's Get Ready to Russell, where I talk about all Kurt Russell movies. Oh my god! <laughs> I, did not, <laughs> I did not see the last movie. I understand he was in Fast and Furious Seven, so that's where they introduced Mister Nobody. But he is such a wonderful delight. Yes. It's just uh, I am the government agent who has to just you know spout exposition of who is this person why they matter to the world and I'm going to set all the precedents of danger but mostly it's a movie where he's just messing around with little baby Eastwood Mm -hmm. he just shows up and he's like I got a twinkle in my eye I'll see you in the next scene guys bye (laughs) he definitely sounds like all of his dialogue sounds like he's as Kurt Russell joking with how he is trying to help little baby Eastwood get into movies. Like, ah, this guy, he's still figuring out the ropes. He has not the rules yet. This little son of a gun. <laughs> Another person in the movie that I would always like to see more of is Michelle Rodriguez. She oh. is great in this movie and in every movie that she's in. And I feel yep. like they have, I would watch a super cut of her and Vin Diesel having meaningful eyes at each other out of windows because oh. that's a lot of it. Yeah. But she's so great. Sure. She should be in more movies. Although I'll say controversial. Perhaps Charlie Theron is the one person who's maybe on the lowest on the totem pole here. Wait. I don't know if she was what? as enjoyable in this movie as other characters. Oh, to me. Like. I, I, it's it's not, no fault of her own. She has two great villain monologues that she nails, just knocks them out of the park. But because there's so much of her just sitting in a room telling henchmen to type on keyboards and yeah. stop them now. True. Yeah, that is true. She's I definitely... can't see them. I need more eyes. <laughs> You're the best hacker in the world, ma'am. Perhaps you could do it. Yeah, yeah, she she only does one bit of her own hacking. Hey, she lets everyone make their choice, and their choice is to work for her. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe she wrote the programs they're using to do all the hacking for her. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think they needed to give her more to do. I I think, like, everyone else uh, had moments of levity or charm or delightfulness that they were granted because they were good guys, or Kurt Russell, also a good guy. But I think because she was a supervillain. Yeah, they could have flashed back to, like, a Steve Jobs style in her garage like with the Scandinavian guy just working on programs and <laughs> he's doing target practice or something. Like, But there was no fleshing out of her character at all. She was just kind of, they alluded to her having been responsible for everything that happened in the previous movies, which may or may not be a spoiler. Not really, because that's all they say about it. But yeah, there wasn't really anything about her. But, but I she, think she she brings up, if you put anyone else... In the role as that character, it's going to be yes. Snoozeville. Like, the first thought in my head is, like, Timothy Oliphant from uh, Die, Die Hard 4. Because it's the same It's the character. same basic idea. Yeah. I control computers and I do computer things. And you're just yes. like, I go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love Timothy Oliphant, but, like, it's a no-nothing, boring, this movie is wasted. A, but, you know, you yeah. put Charlie Theron in there. It is up a level, but like she can't do enough interesting heavy lifting to make it anything more than... She's that's a or nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, right. I've got my Ebert or Mebert. Okay. Okay. This is about the original Fast and the Furious. It has some of the grandiose self-pitying dialogue we've treasured in movies like this ever since Rebel Without a Cause. I'm going to say Ebert. <laughs> uh, yep, Ebert. I don't know this game, so I'm going to say Mebert. <laughs> <laughs> it was Ebert. I did not have time to, to come up with a, with a mimic thing. Uh, but I do also have a sub-question. Did he mention... Point break in his review. Yes. He must have. Sure. He did not. What? Can you believe that Roger Ebert mentioned Rebel Without a Cause, but not Point Break (laughs) in the original Fast and the Furious review? Obviously, Point Break. 
I know. <laughs> maybe he thought it was too obvious to be worth saying, guys. Let's give him some credit. He or was maybe, like, I'm going to find a more esoteric tie-in. Or maybe he thinks Point Break is more like Rebel Without a Cause, and therefore he just skipped his day. Although the question is, does he respect Point Break? I I'm going to find must, out. I imagine he must or might. Also, how many stars do you think he gave it? Fast and the Furious? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two. Two and a half. Two. Three. Oh. I mean, it's a good movie, guys. I've not seen it. Yeah. I cannot speak for it. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so I, I do not know cars in it's any no shape point or fashion, break. so I was not attracted to it. Yeah. But as soon as they started going, wow, oh, we're just going to be James Bond with cars, which <laughs> James Bond is about cars, but doing it ten times better than James Bond would. Oh, he uh, definitely, three and a half for point break, which is correct. And that's yes. why I love Roger Ebert so much, is that he loves the right movies. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. <laughs> well, I think he got the- it. Rest in peace. The thing that you said after the movie. What, that it mi- out Mission Impossible Mission Impossible? I think that is the way, like, this is the franchise that reminds me the most of that franchise. Like, I feel like not yes. James Bond, it's Mission Impossible with cars. Yeah. Sure, the, sure. The mo- and similarly, like, Mission Impossible's like, we're doing one thing, and then they hit a certain movie, they're like, we're gonna do something different from here on out. Yeah. Like, the current Mission Impossible is very different from the first one. Yeah, that's true. They did, They had the same thing, where they had, like, one singular movie, then they had a terrible misstep of a second movie. That's true. And then in the third one, they kind of found their groove, and then they've just been coasting ever since. Right. And there's more comedy in this one than I remember there being in the first Fast and the Furious. I felt like the first Fast yes. and the Furious was a bit more like, we've got some car chases and some nice Correct. butt shots. Check oh. out these ladies' butts. You're right. Yeah. Um, there were well, some I mean, nice yeah. butt shots in this movie. Yeah, it started off with a lot of them. Yes. And I like that they were like, People, hey guys, remember? Yeah. Right, now we're going to go back to the movie. Like, they did not, it wasn't butts, butts for two hours. People do not wear pants in Cuba, is what we <laughs> learned. Yeah. No, not no one does for a Cuba mile. All right, so uh, unfortunately, we got to wrap up because we've got live. Thank you so much for joining us, we have guys. To rank. Thank you, John. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, it's one more important feature. Right. We're going to rank every single movie that we've seen. And since there's still only four, we're still going to list all of them. Robin, would you like to go first this time? This is definitely my new number one. All right, so do them all. So yeah, so I'm at number one, Fate of the Furious, number two, Two Days in the Valley, number three, Eon Flux, number four, Children of the Corn, three, Urban Harvest. So, uh, Well, no wonder it's the first, and that's all you've done so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My list is exactly the same as Robin's because we put Eon Flux in the same place. And Correct. this is definitely the most fun I've had watching a Charlie's movie since we so started far. doing this. Yeah. yeah. Well, my list remains different. Number one, Fate of the Furious. Number two, Eon Flux. Three, Two Days in the Valley. And four, knocking it all the way out of the top three for the first time oh, ever. Yay! Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. Where will you land? Ultimately, we won't wait. We don't know. <laughs> Can there possibly be anything worse in her career? I'm well, hey, I, I'm full of hope that there could be uh, worse things. I don't know. That's a weird thing to hope for, but it would at least be a twist. Yes. That's not always the least favorite movie. <laughs> All right. So we are out of time. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our guest, John Feitner. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Alex Reed, for our theme song. It is delightful. Uh, thank you, Bob Shields and Robin Hitchcock. And for Regina. And most importantly, thank you, Charlies! Oh, I didn't make my sound. My sound would be... No!
No, that's not my sound either. Guess what movie that was? <laughs> Robin, you would know. Hang on. <laughs> it was Italian Job. I've seen that. I was okay. just kidding. <laughs>